Fair Use Notice. This channel may make use of copyrighted material, the use of which has not always been specifically authorized by the copyright owner. This constitutes a fair use of any such copyrighted material as provided for in Section 107 of the U.S. Copyright Law. In accordance with Title 17 U.S.C. Section 107, the material on this channel is offered is offered publicly and without profit to the public users of the internet for comment and nonprofit educational and informational purposes. Copyright disclaimer under Section 107 of the Copyright Act 1976, allowance is made for fair use for purposes such as criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarships, and research. Fair use is a use permitted. No copyrights is are claimed. The content is broadcast for study, research, and educational purposes. The broadcaster gains no profit from broadcasted content, so it falls under fair use guidelines, www.copyright.gov. And we'll be right back. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of my fabulous sponsors or advertisers. Any content provided by our bloggers or authors are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. This disclaimer was provided by DisclaimerTemplate.com. Hello, my lovely, loyal listeners. This is just Miss Rose. It is Sunday. April the 24th, 2022, the last Sunday in April of 2022, you guys. The birds are singing outside. It's really nice weather today. I'm so happy because tomorrow is supposed to be really cold. But we're not going to worry about tomorrow because we're going to get through today. And today on today's episode of Just Miss Rose. Yes, we are continuing driving down the rabbit hole. Now, as you guys are aware, this is a one-hour program, so I tend to um, do my introduction a little bit longer on Just Miss Rose than I do on my sister podcast as the massage table turns, but this is Just Miss Rose. And As you can tell by my last couple of episodes, I have been going through some emotional damage. (laughs) And it has caused me, you guys, to reevaluate and evaluate my evaluate and reevaluate my life. Because I already have a very small, very small circle of friends. You know, then I have some acquaintances, you know, then I have, you know, family members as well. But 
this particular episode of Just Miss Rose, you guys are going to be riding along with me on a journey of trying to figure stuff out. But we'll be right back after this brief pause for the cause. And we'll have some exciting articles. Thank you so much for spending your time with me this Sunday or whatever day you're listening to this podcast. Because it's a podcast. You can listen to it whenever you want to. (laughs) And I appreciate your listenership. Mm -hmm. To my new listeners, thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. We'll be right back. All right, my lovely, loyal listeners, we are back. And, you know, I was listening to my last little section before I started talking. And not just my new listeners, my old listeners, I love and appreciate all of you. And guess where we're at? We're at the WashingtonPost.com. Yeah, you guys know I still have my prescription to the Washington Post. Okay. And this article is entitled, The Friendship Checkup. How to reevaluate relationships and take steps to repair them by Stacy Colino, November 22nd, 2021, at 8 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time. As the pandemic has led us to reassess what's important in our lives, Many people have been reevaluating their friendships, reflecting on who they really value and which relationships are healthy or balanced. Although, although the pandemic may have spurred these reexaminations, experts say that taking a close look at one's circle of friends is something we should do from time to time because. Our friendships can have a substantial effect on our health and well-being, for better or worse. We're seeing more and more research about how beneficial it is to your health to have healthy friendships, says Beverly Fair, a social psychologist at the University of Winnipeg in Canada and author of friendship processes. It also implies the flip side. If your friendships are not healthy, you will experience negative health outcomes. In other words, she says, bad friendships are bad for us, both physically and emotionally. On the physiological front, Research has found that negative or competitive social interactions are associated with increased inflammatory activity in the body. And a study involving older adults found that negative interactions with friends were linked with increase in blood pressure among women. Meanwhile, psychological research has found that friendships that have a negative emotional valiance involving frequent conflicts can compromise someone's self-esteem. 
And studies have found that negative interactions with friends, including being on the receiving end of critical behavior, privacy invasions, social undermining, or failure to deliver promised help, can take a toll on mood, morale, and other aspects of psychological well-being. Despite friendships' effects on our well-being, people often don't think as deeply about friendships as they do about relationships with family members or romantic partners. There's recognition that romantic relationships require active maintenance, Thayer says. To our detriment, however, we don't seem to have that same belief about friendships. Friendship maintenance includes assessing whether a particular friendship is healthy and rewarding or detrimental to your sense of well-being. And in the case of the latter, what you can do to return it to the positive side of the spectrum. Evaluating a friendship and taking action. The mark of a good friendship is it makes us feel good about ourselves and we get a sense of belonging, says Richard Slatcher, a psychology professor at the University of Georgia in Athens. To determine whether a relationship meets the benchmark, Slatcher recommends asking yourself these questions when you spend time with a particular friend. Do I feel good about myself afterward? Does this person make me feel like I'm understood or do they get where I'm coming from? When you're not getting what you want or need from a particular friendship, you'll want to decide whether to address the issue head on, let it slide, or dial back the friendship. Excuse me. If you decide you want to address the issue, however, some forethought is in order. People often want to be open and honest and get things out there Wait a minute. People often want to be open and honest and get things out there about what's going on. But you need to know if the friend you're dealing with will be receptive to that, says Jan Yeager, a sociologist based in Connecticut and author of Friendgevity, Making and Keeping the Friends Who Enhance and Extend Your Life. If you choose to address the issues directly, Jaeger recommends asking yourself, what do I want to get out of this? Do I want to engage in a back and forth dialogue about these issues? A toolkit for friendship challenges. Once you're clear about your goals and willingness to have a dialogue, 
The first step is to validate the connection between the two of you and be clear that you are bringing this up because you value your friendship, advises Miriam Kiermeyer, a clinical psychologist and friendship expert in Ottawa. Then focus on the dynamic, what you find working versus not working, and invite the other person's input. To help you out, we've listed strategies for addressing some common stumbling blocks in adult friendships. Note, we are not talking about abuse or serious betrayals of trust. Your friend has a habit of complaining to you excessively and it drags you down. Describe what you're observing or experiencing using statements that begin with the word I. You might start by saying something like, I want you to have the right kind of support in your life, but I'm not in a position to give you what you deserve in that respect. Or, I'd like to help you. I'd like to help you. But I don't have the emotional bandwidth to delve into other people's problems right now. Then listen to what the friend says. It may be that they weren't aware of how much they've been unloading on you and will correct course now that they are. If that doesn't happen, you may need to consider whether this is more of a situational issue because your friend is going through a temporary tough time or whether it's a personality issue. Sometimes you may need to acknowledge that, that wait a minute, sometimes you may need to acknowledge that's how someone is. And if you're not comfortable with his or her approach or style, it's important to realize you're not going to change the person, says Jaeger, author of When Friendship Hurts, How to Deal with Friends Who Betray, Abandon, or Wound You. A friend is often critical of you or puts you down. If your friend insults or criticizes you, you might ask, what makes you say that to me? It may be that the friend is feeling self-critical and projecting that onto you, Kiermeyer says. To bring up the issue is a more general fashion. To bring up the issue in a more general fashion, you could say, I feel like our conversations often veer into put-downs or one-upmanship, and I don't like that. Or, I've noticed you've been a bit short or sarcastic with me. Is it something I did? Start with an observation of what you've noticed. Then ask what's going on, Slatcher suggests. Once the issue is on the table, you can express your desire for support rather than critiques. And we'll be right back.
the friendship doesn't involve a healthy amount of give and take and you feel as if you make more of an effort. First, a reality check. Research has found that although the vast majority of people expect reciprocity in friendships, nearly half of these relationships are not reciprocal. There shouldn't be a balance sheet that focuses on getting tit-for-tat in a friendship, Jaeger says. But it should feel equal in the sense that everyone is getting their needs met, even if it's in different ways. Remember, too, that there are often ebbs and flows in friendships, as there are with any relationship. But if this is a problem you want to address, avoid overgeneralization with phrases like you always or you never. Excuse me. That type of language can be very triggering, Kiermaier says. Instead, you might say, I feel like I make more of an effort in our friendship. What can we do to restore the balance in this relationship? A friend doesn't respect boundaries the way you'd like them to. If your friend often asks questions about your finances, your sex life, or your social or political views, and you're not comfortable discussing these personal subjects, you should say so. Simply state, I'm not comfortable talking about that. Friends may need to hear that more than once, Kiermar says. Sometimes we tend to overestimate the extent to which we've set our a boundary. In our minds, we know that we that we're com- we know what we're wait a minute. In our minds, we know what we're comfortable with, but we don't always communicate that as clearly as we think we do. If your friend still doesn't get the message, keep repeating it as necessary. It's also important to be clear with friends about what information you consider confidential or private. Some people might see personal information as more personal than others do. Kiermaier notes, if a friend betrays your trust, you're on notice that it's not a good idea to share personal information with that person. Keep in mind, it's your choice to be as open or private about your life as you want to be with any given person. When you don't want to repair a friendship. Excuse me. If these strategies don't help fix your friendship, or you've decided not to try repairing what's gone wrong, it's time to consider dialing back the relationship in some way, which 
Schlatcher refers to as pruning one's friendships. Options include choosing to spend less time with that friend, contacting them less frequently, or only seeing them in a group of people. That doesn't necessarily mean you need to slam the door shut on the relationship. You can keep it open for the future if you'd like to. It's fine, however, to simply decide the friendship has run its course and no longer serves your needs. Some people need permission to let go of friendships, but you don't need to wait until things are bad enough, Kier Mayer says. If you decide to end a relationship, don't ghost the person. One possibility, Kier Mayer says, is to have a candid conversation about why the friendship isn't working for you anymore, while also expressing gratitude for what you've shared in the past. An alternative is to initiate a process of distancing where you gradually withdraw your presence and support. But, Kiermaier cautions, this too might result in a need to have a frank discussion, particularly when the other person is still wanting to maintain the relationship or seek closure. Ultimately, friendships are not chiseled in stone, Jaeger notes. Not only do friendships shift over time, but your definition of friendship and your needs can change. Although letting go of a particular friendship may make you feel sad initially, doing so may also free you up to develop new ones or to spend more time with the positive connections in your life. Stacy Colino is a writer in Chevy Chase, Maryland, specializing in health and psychology and co-author of Emotional Inflammation, Discover Your Triggers and Reclaim Your Equilibrium During Anxious Times. And we'd like to thank Stacy Colino for that exciting article, The Friendship Checkup, How to Reevaluate Relationships and Take Steps to Repair Them. And we also want to thank the Washington dot, WashingtonPost.com. And we'll be right back with yet another exciting article. Did I tell you I love you for listening? I love you for listening. It's time for Dictionary Definition of the Day. Today's dictionary definition word of the day brought to you by Oxford Language is evaluate. It's a verb. Form an idea of the amount, number, or value of assess. 
mathematics, find a numerical expression or equivalent for evaluate. And we'll be right back. All right, my lovely loyal listeners, we are back and we are on the website, uh, thewashingtonpost.com again, because as I said, last time I said I have a prescription, it's a subscription, and I'm going to take advantage of it. And this article is entitled, Why You Always Think Your Friends Are Mad at You, Even When They're Not. It was written by Ali Rollup. Or Volpe, I'm sorry, Allie Volpe, November 16th, 2021, at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. In 2017, separated from her inner circle by thousands of miles and five-hour time difference while studying abroad in Ireland, Laura Hirsch grew anxious her friends were phasing her out of the friend group. Lonely and without a network of nearby confidants, Hirsch, now 24, would incessantly text and Snapchat a group of about five friends and became increasingly fearful if they didn't respond within minutes. Despite being reassured by her friends that they were, in fact, not upset with her, Hirsch fell into a deeper friend anxiety. At one point, considering the possibility she had imagined all her friends in the first place. In the end, some friends did take a step back from their relationships with Hirsch because they were overwhelmed with needing to be constantly available to her. A lot of them A lot of them felt they had the responsibility to respond to me and take care of me, which is not what I wanted and not who I am as a person, Hirsch says. The anxiety of suspecting a friend is upset with us is common, thanks in part to modern communication and how our brains work. The coronavirus pandemic when friends were kept apart for so long and some friendships withered away, seems to have exacerbated the issue. When we're in the state of pandemic and existential crisis, it's more likely that these kinds of thoughts can come up, says Kat Velos, a Bay Area-based connection coach, speaker, and author. If you don't hear from somebody, you go, are they mad at me? Is something wrong? The good news is not only is this feeling incredibly common, experts say, but it's normal and can be fleeting. By getting to the root of why these fears arise, we can learn how to combat worries of rejection and confidential... And, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute, you guys. By getting to the root of why these fears arise, we can learn how to combat worries of rejection and confidently address our concerns with our friends. The relationship has deviated from baseline. 
Every friendship has routines and regularities. The frequencies of hangouts, the preferred medium for communication, the types of activities done together. When those patterns are disrupted, say a week goes by and we haven't heard from a friend who we usually speak with daily, an alarm fires in the brain, signaling, 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 y'all know what I'm trying to say, signaling a disconnect, says Amir, Amir Levine a psychiatrist and assistant professor at Columbia University. We don't like those alarms, Levine says. They don't feel good to us. Because we aren't necessarily aware when our friendships have deviated from baseline, Levine says, all we're left with is the unpleasant sensation that something is wrong. Before jumping to conclusions, Parse through usual interactions with this friend. If they're prone to canceling plans at the last minute or usually need a few calls before they pick up the phone, it's likely a similar instance isn't necessarily a departure from their usual behavior. Certain actions are misinterpreted as rejection. When we lack clarity over the status of our friendships or are unsure of the intention behind our pals' statements or actions, we project rejection onto that ambiguity, says Washington's D.C.-based friendship expert and psychologist Marissa Franco. We tend to perceive rejection even when it's not there, she says. This ambiguity is, all, is only amplified with technology, says Tampa-based friendship coach Danielle Jackson. It's difficult to interpret tone through text messages or to determine the reason for a delayed message, making it easier to assume the worst. Freelance writer Elsa Cavazos knows her relationships are solid when her friends engage with her on social media. My friends always like all my photos, the 26-year-old says. Whenever she notices her pals aren't as quick to like a notice or suddenly cut down on emoji use in text, a pit forms in her stomach. I have some friends that are very dry texters, but they're not dry in person, she says. If you send K, then I think you're mad, but maybe to them sending K is whatever. And I've had those conversations where people are like, no, I'm not mad. What are you talking about? The actions themselves aren't necessarily the issue. It's our interpretation. The actions, I hope, I hope y'all been hearing this. I've been holding the phone away. The actions themselves aren't necessarily the issue. It's our interpretations of their meanings. We can incorrectly cast meaning onto an unanswered text message 
and internalize it as a sign of a doomed friendship when, in reality, a friend could be overwhelmed with work, school, or parenting, Levine says. Sometimes the gesture we wrongly assume is rejection isn't necessarily an action at all. It's easy for us to interpret non-communication as the presence of upset feelings, Velos says. It's important for us to be aware that our interpretation is not the whole story, and we would be better served by doing the thing that feels uncomfortable, which is to reach out and invite a conversation about it. You have a different attachment style than your friends. From an early age, we develop certain patterns, behaviors, and approaches to relationships characterized by four different attachment styles. Secure, anxious, avoidant, and fearful avoidant. Markers of secure attachment style are when people can easily trust and accept love and aren't afraid of intimacy. Those with anxious attachment styles have a fear of abandonment and are acute at picking up threats to relationships, Levine says. A person with an avoidant attachment style wants more distance in their relationships. Fearful avoidant contains a combination of both anxious and avoidant styles. A a mismatch in attachment styles. While not a friendship deal breaker can lead a friend with anxious attachment, for example, to perceive their avoidant pals needing space as a rejection and take it personally. No one attachment style is inherently better than the others, Levine says. But realizing we're more sensitive when it comes to relationships can help determine if a rift is truly brewing or if each party has different needs. If we do realize we require a high level of closeness and validation from friends, prioritize those who readily give that attention, Levine advises. The ones who are always there the ones who always text back. And we'll be right back after this brief pause for the wars. I love you for listening. The past is coloring the present. Past relationships can inform how we approach current ones. Since research shows social exclusion is a form of adolescent bullying, our negative childhood experiences can influence our current beliefs. If we have experienced that in our youth, Velos says, if we were the recipient of that social exclusion from mean girls in school, In adulthood, it's easy for that same stimuli of she's not talking to me. It could trigger that that same fear. 
but we can also use history to our advantage to help explain why we're concerned about the status of our friendships, Franco says. Reflecting on the past enables us to pinpoint the source of our fear and to feel confident knowing history doesn't have to repeat itself. When early pandemic lockdowns separated friends indefinitely, Hirsch thought back to her isolating time in Ireland. Instead of reverting to old patterns of nonstop texting as a means of making up for lost FaceTime, she pulled back from social media and reached out to friends directly who she thought could use a sympathetic ear. Self-Centered Thinking Thinking that centers what we did to cause a friend to be mad at us ignores the fact that the issue could have nothing at all to do with us in the first place. Our companion who made an ambiguous comment or canceled plans could be overextended or dealing with a personal crisis they haven't divulged. Jackson says to take a step back and depersonalize the issue at hand and show grace toward the friend. Something 29-year-old bartender Hannah Eagle has recently taken to heart. Not everything can be about me, Eagle, Eagle says. Since childhood, they have often feared friends were upset with them. If they noticed a friend hadn't reached out in a few days or a bud didn't laugh at one of Eagle's jokes, they suspected something was off. Removing themselves from the equation has helped dull the anxiety. For the most part, I don't think people are thinking about you as much as you're thinking about them thinking about you, Eagle says. To negate any worries that we've that we've done something to upset a friend, Levine says to keep our side of the street clean, to act inclusively and do everything in our power to be a good friend, whether that means answering texts in a timely fashion or regularly checking in. Ultimately, the only way to ensure a friend isn't mad is to ask. Jackson recommends using specifics. I know we were supposed to meet up Thursday, and at the last minute you said you couldn't come. Is everything okay? Grounding the inquiry with details and empathy ensures the friend won't feel attacked and opens the door to a constructive conversation. I like to suggest exercising an attitude of curiosity before you develop this entire assumption and narrative and you go into it with that, Jackson says. Because it might be something you weren't aware of and it may bring you relief to find, oh my gosh, great, it's not me. 
And we want to thank the WashingtonPost.com for this exciting article by Allie Volpe. Why you always think your friends are mad at you, even when they're not. And we'll be right back with yet another exciting article on this episode of Just Miss Rose. I love you for listening. All right, my lovely loyal listeners, we are back. And now we are on the website, psychologytoday.com. And this article written by Steve Albrecht, DBA. The Sad Reality of Friends versus Acquaintances. It's hard to tell who really likes you or why. Posted May 11th, 2019. Reviewed by Abigail Fagan. Social scientists and psychologists who study relationships often suggest that most of us can only really manage seven to ten people in our lives at any one moment. Best selling author Malcolm Gladwell has made a similar point in his book. The Tipping Point, where he talked about the so-called Dunbar's number. In the 1990s, British anthropologist Robin Dunbar posted that as humans, we can only handle a total of about 150 relationships in our lives. As Dunbar put it, It's based on the number of people you'd not feel embarrassed about joining uninvited for a drink if you happen to bump into them at a bar. That's why the whole Facebook friends thing is so debatable and for some people detestable. As we become more closed off and more electronically introverted in our digital lives, who we consider real friends as opposed to just people we may happen to know and who had the energy to click on our link should be up for discussion. A surprising number of people from my career who I've known for decades and I thought were friends we're actually just colleagues. The difference is significant, and it took me a, a while to figure it out. Consider these differences as you inspect your own work and social relationships. Perhaps these results will sadden you, surprise you, or simply confirm what you may already know, suspect, or fear to be true. Colleagues eat lunch and the occasional dinner together. Friends eat dinner at each other's houses. Colleagues hang out at work and at work-related functions, like training conferences and business trips. Friends do activities together away from work that have no workplace nexus. Colleagues tell you where they live. 
Friends invite you over. It's rare to meet the spouse, partner, or child of a colleague outside of a work function. Friends bring their spouses, partners, or kids along when you meet up. You know a secret or two about your friends. You may not know anything except surface level biographical information about most of your colleagues. Have you ever considered that some of your work colleagues may have a hidden agenda? Meaning that what you thought was friendship was actually just their attempt to use your knowledge, expertise, time, connections, contacts, or influence to get ahead either at your office or in their careers. As a self-employed human resources and security consultant, I have met and worked with thousands of people in my career. My definition of business colleagues versus real work friends, <clears throat> excuse me, is that colleagues are happy to take whatever work you give them with no thought of ever returning the favor. They're happy to ride in your covered rat wait a minute. They're happy to ride in your covered wagon across the barren desert. They just won't ever help you pull the wagon. They won't put their own seed money into new ventures or marketing opportunities, but they'll ride on your back when you get some success. They'll do what you ask to get their part of the work done and to be paid first often even before you, but they will never look at a potential new project and figure out how to grow it to include you as well. By contrast, your real friends that you also work with think about your financial needs as well as their own. They put skin into the game, including their own money to grow a business endeavor. They put in the necessary unpaid sweat equity to grow a project. They don't just send you an invoice for services rendered and wait to be compensated. Want to know who your real friends are versus just colleagues? These questions can help you determine who is who. Have you ever been to their home? Do you ever get together on the weekends? Have you ever met their spouse, partner, or kids? Do your kids and their kids ever interact? Do they remember your birthday or other significant events in your life? Have they ever bought you a gift based on their remembering how you liked that thing? Have they ever done you a small favor just out of kindness and expected nothing in return? Do they ever call, email, or text just to say hello? Or or is it only when they need something or want to talk about a business issue? 
Do they invite you to lunch, dinner, or drinks with no ulterior motive other than they like being with you? Do they ask you real questions about your life goals and plans? Do they ask what you're working on and seem sincere in their interest? Do they have the kind of listening skills that real life friends have? Or do they spend most of their time waiting for you to stop talking? When you leave them after getting together or after a phone call, do you ever feel slightly used? Do they put their need for their money before your friendship? Do you always pick up the check at the bar or the restaurant because they want to play the colleague role instead of the real friend role? Do they only call or contact you when they or someone in their family are in trouble? Life is short. Pick your acquaintances, colleagues, and real friends wisely. About the author, Steve Albrich, DBA, holds degrees in English and psychology and a doctorate in business administration. He is a former police officer and domestic violence investigator with the San Diego Police, and we'd like to thank Mr. Albrecht for his article in on psychologytoday.com the sad reality of friends versus acquaintances and we'll be right back with yet another intriguing article I love you for listening All right, my lovely loyal listeners, we are back on our last article for this episode, and we are on the website, ditchthelabel.org, and this article is entitled, Are They Really Your Friend? 15 Signs That Suggest Otherwise, by Ditch the Label, April 18th, 2021. We've all had friendships that have ended up a little pear-shaped, and it's unfortunate that most of the time we all have to get burnt before we can spot a bad friend from a good one. We've pulled together our own experiences and come up with 15 of the most common signs that somebody isn't your friend for the right reasons. If any of these apply to your friendships, we would encourage you to think twice about them and try to determine whether they really are a friend. The 15 Friendship Signs. Number one, they only call when they want something. All friendships should be equal, which means that you should receive as much as you put in. It's all based on reciprocation and mutuality. If you're putting in more than you're getting out, you should think twice about what they about what they are asking from you. Number 2. The conversation is never equal. 
Do you find that you just spend your whole time focused on them when you're hanging out? Yeah, that's not cool. We all have problems and things we'd like to talk to somebody about. Number three, they put you down or make fun of you in front of others. A definite no-no. Usually, people do this because they feel bad about themselves and want to use somebody else as a distraction. Draw a line through any friendships like this immediately. Number four, you feel bad about yourself when you've spent time with them. Sometimes it's difficult to analyze behavior, but your emotions never lie. Friends should make you feel good, empowered, and uplifted. If you leave them feeling like crap, then you should probably reevaluate the benefit you're getting from the friendship. Some people, unfortunately, just like to bring others down. Number five, they are aggressively competitive. It's good to be a little competitive now and again, but like most things, you can have too much of a good thing. A friendship based on competitive behavior is never healthy or a true friendship. Number six, they aren't happy for you when good things happen. This is one of the most common telltale signs and it's also based on competitive behavior. A true friend will want to see you succeed and be happy. Number seven, they bring drama into your life. It's usually the people who spend their time moaning about drama who are the ones causing it. You don't need that negativity around you. Number eight, they bitch about you behind your back. An absolute no-no. Friendships need to be based on mutual respect and trust. Don't put up with that crap. Number nine, your relationship feels like it's built on conditionality. This is likewise for all relationships in your life. You should feel like they are unconditional and not based on you being or acting in a certain way. Number 10, your friends bail on you. Sometimes it happens and that's fine, but if it's consistent, then it obviously shows that your friend is unreliable and much less invested in the friendship than you are. Maybe it's your turn to bail on them permanently. Number 11, they use your secrets against you and share them. This is malicious and absolutely nothing a true friend would ever do. Number 12, they are a bad influence and make you do things that get you into trouble. Nip this in the bud before you end up getting yourself into trouble. Friends don't make friends do bad things or text when drunk, but we'll turn a blind eye to that one for now. Number 13, they talk about their other friends behind their back. If they do this, the chances are they do it to you too. It's fine to have a moan occasionally, but anything malicious would probably indicate that they aren't as genuine as they'd like you to believe. Number 14, they bail when you need them the most. So there are friends who are, well, friends, 
and there are friends who are still your friends at 3 a.m. on a Wednesday morning in the midst of your breakdown. The latter are your friends for life, and it's important to know that you can rely on a few select individuals to be by your side through thick and thin. Number 15. They exclude you from things with mutual friends. If it's on purpose and happening often, despite you bringing it up since... I'm sorry. If it's on purpose and happening often, despite you bringing it up, up, then we suggest you create some distance. It is important to remember that sometimes it can be, it can happen accidentally. So try and talk to them about it before jumping to conclusions. It's not me. It's you breaking up. Firstly, speak to somebody about it. Make sure your response is rational. If it is, then deal with it. Accept that it isn't your fault and mentally move on. Once you've done this, you have one of two options. Let the friendship naturally fade out. Stop making arrangements. Stop replying and distance yourself from them. Eventually, you'll become increasingly distant until you're officially no longer friends on Facebook or confront them. There are two schools of thought surrounding this. Confrontation can be good if you'd like to hopefully try to resolve things. But on the opposite end, confrontation can be incredibly empowering if you're if you felt particularly suppressed or upset by somebody. Arguments can be healthy provided that they don't put anybody at risk and won't make situations worse. We'd recommend a mediator to help keep an argument balanced. Still unsure? Talk to us. Join the Internet Safe Space today. All right? And that's ditchthelabel.org. That is the end of that article. Are they really your friends? 15 signs that could that 15 signs that suggest otherwise by ditch the label and that is the conclusion of this episode of just miss rose thank you so much for your listenership you know the rules don't let anybody take you off the square don't compare yourself to other people because nobody compares to you because you're the only you that there is and you're doing a great job being you please support my sister podcast as the massage table turns and we will talk to you next time on the next episode of just miss rose this is just miss rose out i love you for listening